All right, so we are just kicking off this podcast. This is the first week of our flourishing series, and we're taking this study that uh, many people did, researchers did in Harvard, and talking about ways that uh, humans can flourish in the different areas of their life. And one of the biggest areas was relationships. And so that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. And I'm pleased to have Phil and Vicki Wright, who have been a part of Gateway since 2014. Phil, you're an overseer here. Uh, and I know in talking um, before this, you guys made a, a change from the corporate ro- world into uh, full-time working with uh, couples uh, and some of that couples in crisis. But particularly, um, the niche is uh, pastoral couples and missionary couples. How did that switch happen? How did you guys and what sparked that from going into a career corporate world into we want to dive into relationships and sometimes crisis mm-hmm. with people? Okay. So... Uh, great to be with you. Over 30 years, we've been involved in marriage ministries of various kinds. And recently, uh, we made the shift after I retired to a narrower, narrower focus and more, in, as you said, in the crisis uh, marriage work. Vicki can talk a little bit about about. Yes. And so we work with couples, missionary couples, pastors, and couples who want a better marriage maybe couples who are in crisis, but we've been doing this work for a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. So when we come to that, I know a lot of people are watching come from different backgrounds, but I I do want to tap into some of what you guys have done because I got the opportunity to take uh, the course along with some of our other campus pastors and their wives that you guys taught, and it was enriching to our lives. Um, But what what does a a flourishing relationship look like? And somebody may not be married, but some of the tools translate to other kinds of relationships and friendships. But what does a flourishing relationship look like? What are some pieces of that that you can speak to? Well, they argue. They (laughs) irritate each other. Um, They probably have days where they don't like each other. But there's a big difference. We're winning. We're winning. (laughs) (laughs) There's a big difference. Yeah, I think a couple of the attributes of a flourishing relationship is one where People actually cherish their differences, and they leverage those differences for strengths instead of letting those differences divide them. And another thing that I I see and we see in our work is flourishing couples have an ability to genuinely affirm each other and appreciate things about one another. Yeah. So I think everybody would say they, they want that kind of relationship. We want to be able to argue and not hold on to it mm-hmm. and die on every single hill. But what are some of the things that get in the way? Because I think everybody starts off, whether it's a friendship, a deep, lost, long-lasting friendship, or a mother-daughter or father-son or vice versa, all these things. And marriage, particularly, we go into it believing the best, wanting the best. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, those arguments become deeper and deeper, and they become deeper-seated. So what are some of the obstacles to having that kind of flourishing relationship? we get stuck in our own flesh with the what the bible calls being in our flesh which is pride self-deception uh blaming the other person uh excusing our own behavior shining our halo mm. and accusing the other person and not being able through that self-deception to see our part and how we're co-creating the distress. So we call it like a ledger mindset where mm. we keep a ledger of keep all score. the good that we do exactly. Yeah. And then we keep a ledger of all the things that the other person has done to hurt us. Mm. Kind of think of it like putting bow- bowling balls in our backpack that we carry this around a record <laughs> of all the harm that they've done. 
to us and we ruminate on it. It pre preoccupies our thought life. And if we're constantly thinking about that and putting more and more of those bowling balls in our backpack and we try to swim with that, mm. <laughs> we're going to sink. Yeah. And so we need to increase our buoyancy by getting those son of a guns out of our backpack. Another thing too, I think there's a couple of cultural messages. You know, the culture kind of says, look out for number one. Mm. And God says, be sacrificial and other-centered. Another thing about the culture that can be tricky is there's this carefully curated image on social media. And if we compare ourselves that to that, we can feel Mm. less than, I actually know someone, it's a pretty close <laughs> mm. relationship of someone who got married and after four months, they decided their marriage was a failure and got divorced because of what they saw on social media. And so there's this, um, a bit of a war. And so when I started by saying that good relationships have arguments and irritate each other, the difference is, can we keep those from blowing out of control. Can we repair? Yeah. Can we make up? Yeah. We talk a lot about, in our work, the relational repair cycle. We were drawn together in, in relationships because we like one another or we love one another. And inevitably, we're going to have a break. And when that break happens, we've got a choice to make. Do we do what Vicki was talking about, of holding on to that record of wrongs and ruminating about it and rehearsing those wounds and those ways that other person we think hurt, hurt us over and over and over again to the exclusion of healing that could otherwise come, if we just kind of take a breath, step back, be humble. And something that's very disarming in conflict is true humble vulnerability, where I say, wow, I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like what I just said. And we confess that, yeah. and, and it just really drops defenses down when that that guard wall that we rightly put up to guard our hearts uh, comes down through vulnerability. So what we do is if we're having an argument, in Sunday school you say argument, but really if we're having a fight, <laughs> um, we, nobody says Sunday school anymore, do they? That's okay. Okay, <laughs> so if we're having an argument, in church you say argument, but really it's a fight. So if we're having a fight um, and we find ourselves getting triggered, we one of us will call a timeout because you nothing like good that. happens. Yeah, you do nothing, the tea too. Yeah, timeout. nothing good happens when you when you're triggered. But if during that timeout we rehearse or ruminate or tell ourselves stories, we just re-trigger ourselves. Yeah. You can actually keep re-triggering yourself and make it like, worse. Yeah, and by rehearse you mean saying the same thing all over, over again. and over again. Did. Oh, you know, I'm I'm wrong. He's wrong. What kind of a person would do that? Mm. But we actually know a guy who can re-trigger himself for like three or four days, and I don't think that that's that unusual. No. So what we do instead is we go off and pray. We ask God, show me how. I'm pretty sure it's all her fault, but show me how. <laughs> I'm contributing to this yeah. distress. Where's the fuel in this? Yeah. So that I can locate the valve and shut the fuel off. So for fire. me, it's, I, I'm sorry, did I interrupt mm, you? Go. For me, it's it's usually I think he's all wrong. And so I'll say, God, if I've, if, if I've done anything wrong, just show me <laughs> one thing <laughs> yeah. to, to apologize for. And what happens is we both are doing that and we come back and we both say, I'm sorry for this one thing. And it's amazing how that just breaks yeah. 
breaks it open. And you guys had some great questions when I went through your course with my wife and, and others on just uh, simple barrier breaking uh, uh, questions, because sometimes we can get stuck in that argument and we live there and we think the other person can read our minds. Mm-hmm. And they should know why we're mad, right? right. Mm-hmm. And then in that repair cycle, I love the specifically the question of what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. Or what can what can help you? And it might be an apology. It might be, hey, I need you to go make that right, mm-hmm. whatever you did. And, and so that's been a question that has helped us. And it's helped us say sorry way quicker and shorten the um, the length of arguments or fights, right? Yeah, it helps quicker it to, to say land sorry. because – yeah. Just sorry doesn't always do the trick, right? right? Correct. Because sorry about what? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we need to own, and Vicky alluded to this just a minute ago, we need to own what we did to create that distress. And boy, that is hard. Yeah. That it's is hard. really hard in the moment when the, when the conflict is intense and the temperature is up to just step back, surrender, be vulnerable, and and own. And, okay. own, and owning doesn't mean, I'm sorry you took it that way. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's I'm sorry we fought. I've tried that movie. Yeah. It's not real great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not awesome. So there's this old movie um, called Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. And in the opening scene, Smeagol and his brother are fishing. And they're, they're enjoying each other's company. They're two hobbits. And they find this ring. And this ring is so compelling to both of them that they begin to fight over it. And there's this horrible scene where... Um, Smeagol chokes the life out of his brother. Mm -hmm. And then we watch for like five minutes, it seems like, where he's turning into a a different person. He turns into Gollum. And I I thought about that with with conflict. If we fight to be right, to be, um, to get our way, if that if that conflict becomes a ring for us, mm-hmm. we will choke the life out of our relationship. In all the years of doing ministry, I can tell you with authority that that road ultimately ends up changing who you are. If I, if I get stuck in that, it's going to ultimately change who I am. But can I instead fight for our relationship? And like in that movie, it has collateral damage. Yeah. It hurts the people around too. And if we hold that, that's just terrific symbolism they used in that in, in that story. It's so alluring to hang on to my right to be right. It's, mm-hmm. it's so alluring to, to have that image, that persona we have that we're trying to guard and protect when in fact it becomes an idol to us. And we need to get rid of that. Yeah. I, need to, I need to give that up or I'm going to become... Toxic. I'm going to become that Smeagol-like person that's going to hurt other people. Yeah. Well, I lost, uh, just to bring some laughter, <laughs> I lost my actual wedding band, and I thought my wife was going to turn me into Smeagol for a little bit. <laughs> so I had to get one of these silicone ones. I'm still looking for it. So if anybody finds it, it's tungsten. Uh, my wife is looking for it, and so am I. But when we, when we talk about arguments, when we talk about fights, um, for those listening, and maybe it might be a couple who is like, you know what, we're going to give this one last shot. And we don't know if we're going to make it. Um, how do I know if co- the conflict that we're facing is good or it's detrimental? In other words, yes, fighting arguments are normal, but how do I know when it's not taking to us to a place of restoration and it f- feels like it's cyclical and never ending and it's exhausting? I would say when we get stuck 
and we just go around and around. And um, it take a lot of times people need help. Mm. So when we get stuck and we just go around and around, and we have had counseling. I think a lot of people could benefit from counseling, from getting help, from finding wise mentors who can encourage you and help you through some stuck places. Yeah, we had to we had to engage the help of uh, a, a really gifted Christian counselor when, when our boys were in adolescence because we had vastly different parenting styles yeah. and grew up in vastly different homes with different norms and rules. And uh, we brought that luggage into our relationship. And so when it came time to raise boys, uh, we would find ourselves like two people on a teeter-totter walking out Vicky would walk one direction and I'd walk the other direction trying to counteract that. And we just got farther and farther apart. And so uh, Help Like Vicky Advocates is, is a brilliant move. It was one of the first things that God led us to that led us in part to the, to the work that we yeah. do now. Why do you think more people, more couples don't ask for help? Because I'm, I'm of the opinion that if we would just humble ourselves and really seek it out, that we could make this thing work. Most people can make these things work, these relationships work, particularly marriage. What what have you seen be the impediment of couples not reaching out and getting help? There might be fear. Um, maybe maybe expense is a problem. Um, I want to circle back, if I could, to yeah. that question about how do we know when conflict is bad. We have um, something we call the accept-protect spectrum, which, which doesn't matter what it's called. But basically, on either end, is red zone behavior, which is I'm either out to, I'm aggressively mm -hmm. trying to say, I win, you lose, or I'm very destructively, passively saying, okay, you win, I lose. But the green zone in the middle is a we win posture, which is we're both, we're both fighting for us we want to hear each other. We want to love each other. We want to compromise in a way that makes both people feel loved and cared for. And if our conflict gets in the red zone, that's when it's destructive. If we can keep it in the green zone, which is clear, kind, yeah. Um, respectful. Yeah, you know, the book of Colossians gives us a really great example and a template for, for how to engage in a relationship. Uh, we're taught to, in, in Colossians 3.12, clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and to bear with each other with whatever grievances we have with one another, forgive as God forgave us. And that's really a good thing to remember when I'm in a conflict. It's like, wait a minute, I, I want to be a person who understands that I was forgiven for a lot hmm. by my Savior. And I want to bring that to Vicki. I want to bring that to, to people in my life so that my first approach is how do I, not how do I make me a better me it, or present myself as a better me, but really bring a better me that's clothed in all those things. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's a lot of work, but it's really worth fighting for. Um, when you get to be our age, I mean, you might, you might look at us and say, uh, you're like our grandparents. And I would just say, well, your grandparents wish they had a relationship as good as ours. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also... There's something beautiful about shared history, shared memory, um, bearing witness to somebody's life. Yeah. You know, we, we had a, a couple friend who 
found the work of conflict, the work of their relationship to just be unbearable. Our, mm. our friend just finally gave up and literally went off and became a hermit. He's living up in a mountain in the middle of nowhere all by himself. Mm. Dying and, of cancer. And dying of cancer alone. alone. And it's, it's sad yeah. and it breaks my heart for him because there's no one there who bore witness to his struggles, to his life, to his victories. And it's such a vivid contrast to what we have because we try to the extent possible uh, to encourage one another. And that's, that's another thing about a flourishing relationship is just how do you encourage each other? Yeah. What do you do to build one another up? What's your goal in that relationship? Are you, should, will they be a better person from that encounter yeah. with you? How was it to be on the other side of you? And bringing out the best and not competing with one another. Yeah. yeah. I saw a video the other day as you talked about, you know, sharing in victories and, and also in defeats of, I saw this video where it talked about, hey, when I injured myself, that that pain, it was hard, but it was bearable. But when I came out of surgery, the pain was unbearable. Mm. And they talked about how the pain of the healing is sometimes um, so heavy that we uh, never go to get healing because we're afraid of the pain that we might discover. And I think for some pe couples, that might be the reason. It's like, hey, if we work on this, that means I'm going to have to let go of some behaviors mm -hmm. and some things that I grew up with or some things that I saw, and I'm going to have to heal. And I don't like what that feels like because yeah. it feels like the foundation is taken up uh, out under me. But for the couples listening and for the people who just have, hey, they want to make their uh, relationships at work better, their families better, mm -hmm. why is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Why is the pain worth it, the repair worth it? Why Why don't I just throw my hands up and say, you know what, I'll find another one. There'll be another person out there that I can make this work with and it'll be, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Why, why should we make it work? Why is it worth it? First of all, it's a myth to think that there is a perfect relationship yeah. out there. And we don't, we don't get rid of our car because it ran out of gas or got a flat tire. And um, so it's worth fighting for. The other thing is I want to encourage you we didn't even start working on our relationship until our kids were teenagers. Mm -hmm. And then they got to watch us. So they watched us do everything wrong. And then they got to watch us learn how to do something different. And today they both have good relationships and they have good marriages. But if you have, if your kids have seen you do conflict poorly, you know, it's okay. We do this in front of people. Have the, hope. We, we do this in front of people. You know what? I don't like, we'll do it in public. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way that just sounded. Can I have a do-over? So our kids watched us mm -hmm. do it wrong, and then they watched us learn something better. And it's worth it because then I can now see them in their relationships flourishing. So it's not just about me. It's about generation. Exactly. Yeah. It's what John talks about in terms of the ripple effect. Yeah. And, and as I was, I was trying to say, uh, you know, there's, there's something deeply gratifying about having somebody that's close enough to you that they bear witness to your life, yeah. your challenges, your victories. Uh, there's a shared memory bank that we have that is incredible. I, I just had a, another one of my many, many birthdays. They're getting too numerous to count. Trips so around the sun. We can yeah, call them that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, Vicki gave me what I would say is the best gift I ever had. Uh, she doesn't normally do things out on social media, but she made this post, and it just touched deep places in my heart because she was pointing out how it was to be on the other side of me. 
for all these years and said things that people would never otherwise be able to see. And I can't tell you how good that feels, not to swell my head up, but yeah. to, to fill my heart up. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And it still chokes me up right now yeah. to know that what I really want is to do what Jesus said, to love my wife as he loves his church, his bride. And uh, for her to experience me in a way that says, I did that, at least on balance, yeah. in a good way for a long, yeah. sustained period of time. And she knows all the junk, too, yeah. just like Jesus does. Yeah. And that's part of the reason I get wrecked in worship music is that relationship for me is so intimate with him that he knows everything about me, and yet he still loves me. And Vicky knows a lot about me and still loves That's me. That's so awesome. And thank you guys for being examples of that. Like even in our short time here, I've heard it, you know, wh whether I was off to the side, where you guys say, hey, can can we do this? Can we do that? I, and so you guys are doing it in real time. And you're an example, not, not to say, hey, look, we worked on it. Everything's good now, but you're <laughs> constantly working on it. And so I know you've been a blessing to me and my wife and our family, and you're going to continue to be a blessing to others. So we appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast today. And we can't wait to hear more from you soon. Thanks for keeping. Thanks for having us.